Well, good morning. My name is Mike, and I'm an elder here. And you may wonder, well, why is Mike up here and not Pastor Albert? Well, uh, we had Eric preaching last week from home, and uh, what happened is uh, a breakthrough COVID infection came through uh, Albert's household. He's fine. Family's fine. Uh, Eric joined us last week remotely because uh, he started to get a scratchy throat just before and just precautions, and I really loved his sermon. Pastor's just waiting for a COVID test to come back negative, and, but you can keep praying for him to support him, and he'll be joining us, uh, we hope, soon, hopefully next week. Uh, I have a, a, a lot of ideas for what I'm presenting today, but um, I want us to take a little time of prayer. So, Lord, we just lift this time up before you, and I may have my ideas, but you are the author of your truth, and you are the one that gives glory to yourself, and just ask that you lead this time today. So for today, Albert contacted me and asked, uh, Mike, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it to uh, church on Sunday. Can you preach? And I said, funny you should ask. Because I was just talking to Mary, my wife, this is last week, about Eric's sermon and uh, gave me a lot of ideas on the follow-on. So that's why we had the scripture reading today from Ecclesiastes. And I'll read that again. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 to 14. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks that which has been driven away. So one of the things that um, Eric shared in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 1, 8 through 10. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. And then Ecclesiastes 12.8. Vanity of vanity, said the preacher, all is vanity. Reminds me of somebody else named Eeyore, who said, the sky has finally fallen. Always knew it would. And it's like you read Ecclesiastes and you go, man, what's the point? It's just, you know, it's just so sad. Well, tell a little story. I took some time off just before the holidays and I have this uh, esoteric hobby of building and running live steam locomotives, little tiny ones. 
And I just built a, a, a live steam lorry, a little truck from England. And I was trying out this thing in my hobby of trying to get these decals to work. I'd done all this research and so on, and I kept messing up and kept messing up. And people said, you need to talk to Stan. And I go, okay. So I finally gave up, and I contacted this guy. His name is Stan Cedarleaf. He's based in Arizona. Sent him my artwork, and he said, yeah, this will work great. And we had this great conversation, and we talked about the Lord. I found out that he was an elder in his church in Prescott, Arizona. He is the, um, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm the eldest older elder. You might say that I'm the elder elder here. And he, he sent the artwork I had, and it looked great on my, my steam lorry that I had. We had our last chat back and forth via email on um, December 23rd. And then um, I had some uh, issues uh, with, with one of the last applications I was putting on, and I contacted another friend in Fremont and told him what I'd done, and he said, hey, Mike, you know, you're lucky to get those decals in. I heard that Stan passed away, and I said, what? How could that happen? And I looked up. Sure enough, the day after we talked, he was rushed to the hospital Christmas Eve, and December 30th, he passed away. Just like that. And you come back to this Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. But let's take a look at 1 Peter and dig a little bit deeper. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And I went back and I looked up at um, what had been posted about Stan. He went to Prescott Cornerstone, and there was just nothing but praise, praise. This is a man full of joy, and everywhere he went, he shared the Lord. Even on his website, where he's talking about making decals for model trains, he had posts there pointing back to, you know, go check out this video, the message. And it turns out that's one of the videos that Pastor Ralph shared here when we were going through one of his series. And now let's go back to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what is eternity? And that's what we're going to talk about today. I have a lot of ideas I put together and kind of think of them as different colored yarns I have in my basket, and hopefully I can weave something together to give you something to think about in your relationship with God and with Christ and how it ties back into eternity. So we'll look at the definition. Eternity. It's a noun. I love these definitions. The quality or state of being eternal, so that doesn't help too much. But having infinite duration, everlasting. Character, this is in the dictionary. Characterized by abiding fellowship with God. So I know that Stan, for instance, is living in eternity in this context, characterized by eternal abiding fellowship with God. 
Second definition, continued without intermission, perpetual, seemingly endless. And then other definitions, infinite time, the state after death or immortality, or a seemingly endless or immeasurable time. Now, if you notice, most of these definitions deal with time, but some do not. And that's where I want to dig in a bit in terms of what eternity is. So we'll take a look at first primary definition, which is eternity in time. It seems to be endless. Ecclesiastes 3, 14 to 15. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been. And Revelations 1.8, God said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So the curious thing about that is he says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, not past tense Alpha, not future tense Omega, but in the presence right now Alpha, right now Omega. He is the beginning right now. He is the end right now. It's kind of hard to comprehend that as a silly human with a watch or a smartphone or something and we're looking at constant scroll, that uh, great invention from Facebook, the endless scroll, uh, that seems like the present never stops. But what I hope you'll do as we go through today and in your life in Christ is to stop and contemplate each day about where you are in God's eternity. John 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. Second Peter 3, 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So we'll think about that for a bit. So remember, God is with us right now in the present, but God is also in the beginning right now and in the end right now. So how much time does God have for you? You know, we always think about, you know, God's presence. God is here. God is whatever. Let's take a look at something that humans have created, the Xbox. My son works at GameStop, and he just couldn't wait, and he got one of the first Xbox Series Xs. The Series X has a processing power of 12 teraflops. For those who don't know what that means, it's like... Uh, um, that's 12 trillion floating point transactions per second to handle all of the graphic processing. Now, if you took that and divided by the number of humans that are on the planet, that's enough for 1,500 transactions per person on the planet per second for every human on the planet. Now, God, who created the universe, certainly is greater than something that a game company built. 
So if a single machine in someone's family room has enough processing power for 1,500 times per second per person on the planet, surely God has enough time to spend with you. Can you think the last time that you checked in with someone that you loved more than 1,500 times in a day or in a year? God can be with you and is with you. In essence, for that thousand years within one day of your life. Second Peter again, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So God is with you for every moment and infinitesimal moment of your life and for even the long periods of your life. So he sees the arc of your story from the beginning to the end and he sees you from before you make any decision in your life and so on. Psalm 139 has really got it down in terms of God's presence with us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before the word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hear me. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. So God is with you in every moment. He knows your every thought. And he knows your beginning and your end. But he also knows the beginning and end of where you are in creation. So we took a look at eternity across time, but let's look at eternity in terms of distance, eternity in creation. Genesis 22:17. I will surely, this is when uh, God is talking to uh, Moses, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Well, God created all the stars in heaven. They estimate that there's about a billion stars in each galaxy and about 10 billion galaxies. That's around 10 with 21 zeros after it, stars, which they estimate happens to also be approximately the number of grains of sand on all the shores on all the seas. So we had the author of Genesis already had it down. We talked about that God will bless us to the point in which he has created all of creation, as many as stars as there are. But what about you? We'll take a look at Luke and back to Psalm 139. Luke 12, 7, why even the hairs on your head are all numbered. In Psalm 139, 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if looking at you as an individual and you have, um, you're composed of various organs and those organs composed of cells and how many cells are in your body? There's around 724 trillion cells in your body. Seems like a lot. But God created all the stars in the universe and there's a 10 with seven zeros after it more stars in the universe than there are cells in your body. Surely God knows about every single one of the cells in your body. 
which happen to also be cells in your brain, which make up the thoughts that you come up with. God knows you. He knows you from the inside out and from the outside in. Take a look at Matthew 8, 8, and 13. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And God heard that. And then there was this discussion back and forth and can you heal on the Sabbath and take a look at the faith of the centurion. And surely he understands and the centurion says, you know, I just say the word to my soldiers and they do it. And finally Jesus said unto the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. That servant wasn't in the same place where they were having this discussion. He was another village over. He was a day's walk away. Yet God moved across time and across distance to cause something to happen. So this is one thing that I really love about our relationship with Christ, is he gave us the Holy Spirit and God says that I am the mind and you are the body, yet he has us communicate through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And if you take a look at your own body, which God created, and you go and touch something hot and you step back, that has sent a signal from that part of your body up to the brain to another part of your body to go and minister to it, to take care of that hand. In the same way, when we pray, we are reaching out to God through the Holy Spirit, which then reaches out through the Holy Spirit to other members of the body to minister to parts where there is hurt, where there is pain, where things need to be done. So like what Stephanie shared about the nest, for instance, when we pray, it's not just empty prayer, but God moves through his universe, through time, through space, to be able to make things happen that will be to his glory to serve him through eternity. Which brings us to eternity for all peoples. In Acts 1.8 said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 2, 4 through 11. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devoted men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphyla, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So God didn't come just for the Jews. He didn't come just for the Galileans. He didn't just come for people in Africa. He didn't come just for people 
in Europe, but he came from people from all over the world. So when God sends his people out to greet others, we don't just say hello. We don't say just bonjour or uh, buenos dias or guten tag. We don't just say shalom or assalamu alaikum or we don't say um, ohayo kuzayamas or um, we don't say salamat pagi. We don't say just anyaseo, uh, uh, but we say hello in every language that God has created in his peoples. And so these people who are working, for instance, with the nest are saying, are greeting their people in their own language, in their own people. Because God is not a Middle Eastern God. He's not a European God. He's not an African God, but he is a God of eternity. He is a God for all creation. Revelation 7, 9, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages and before the throne and before the Lamb. So God spans across time. He is the beginning and he is the end right now. He spans across distance so that for us as well, as we live in Christ and live in the spirit, that we might just be in our living room, but as we pray, our actions and presence are felt across the whole planet and across all of his creation. And when we are in pain, it talks about how when we pray, that we oftentimes pray with groans that don't even have words because we don't have words to speak for what it is that we feel in our heart. And God hears those right now before you even speak them or feel them. And he reaches out in the spirit to others to be able to make a way so that he will minister to us. Um, through him we have eternity in the spirit. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the spiritual realm. And we know that where two or three gather together in his name, he is there with us. We are not flesh and blood, but we are spirit and happen to live in flesh and blood. The cool thing about the spirit is it is not bound by the laws of physics per se. So physics is bound by individual atomic uh, molecules, atoms, sub subatomic particles, and they have certain rules and laws that they have to follow. The spirit, not being made from matter, doesn't have to follow those rules. And so I don't know what all the rules are that they don't have to follow, but that, I believe, is why God can be the beginning and the end right now, and why we can have presence of action where you can pray now and something will happen across the planet at that same time faster than the speed of light. Healing can happen. The spirit can happen. Hearts can change. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. 
He has adopted us to be his children. And God is the creator of the universe. He has adopted us to join with him in the expanse of his eternity across time, his eternity across the spirit, his eternity across distance, and eternity in the spirit. Um, so the cool thing is, so how many times have you heard, read, um, told other people John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So think about those two words at the end, eternal and life. So put those together now. You have life and you think of what life is. It's light, and joy, love, um, connection to God, uh, as opposed to death, which is darkness, sadness, pain, suffering. So going back to life and joy, peace, happiness. Now put in eternal, eternal life. So that's that eternal life across all time without end. That's eternal life across all distance, that that life has no bounds by the walls that we create, by the horizons that we can see. Eternal life in the spirit, that life that can go beyond even what we can imagine. We are creatures of eternity, eternity and time, eternity in the spirit, eternity through prayer, eternity through our actions. And this last one is something that I've used before with uh, teams at work. When you're a manager here in the US, you're not supposed to preach the gospel, blah, blah, blah. But um, I'll share with my team, it says, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, let me give you a little advice. So I have a concept of eternity that has no end in time. That's kind of hard to comprehend. But if we look at history, history is about, goes back about 10,000 years of recorded history of what we know has happened over time. Let's turn that around and say, what can you do today? What decisions can you make today that will have an impact 10,000 years from now? Put that in your head, and that is a concept of eternity. So God may not care what flavored toothpaste you're going to use, but if you invest in another person's life in prayer, through love, through support, through the gospel, bringing them to Christ, setting them free from death and into life, that will have an impact 10,000 years from now because that will go on to other people, that will go on to their children, to their children's children, and on through eternity. And that's what we have seen on this planet, that it has been, through the Spirit, investment in one person after another after another, that the gospel has spread across the whole planet and it will reach every people and every tongue before life as we know it ends, but life that we have will continue without end. So we'll go back to Ecclesiastes 3.11. So what Eric shared 
is not a rain cloud over you, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That part is true, that when we're doing continuous scrolling on TikTok or whatever, that is vanity. But God has brought back to you in Ecclesiastes, he has put eternity into man's heart. Expand that out. He has put eternity into our heart. Personalize it. He has put eternity into your heart. So I'll share a little bit. Um, I've thought a lot about eternity before I came to the Lord. Um, I shared this, I think, a couple times before. I had some friends that were Jesus freaks, and they got me switched around. And I started to think, um, one part as I was coming to understand who God is, I was studying bioelectrical engineering at the time. So I had to study biology, and I had to study engineering. And with engineering, I have to study physics. And what I could tell is, according to physics, biology is impossible because we constantly go towards a greater state of chaos and more disorder. And there's something that happened a long time ago that the engineering part of me told me there had to be some engineer that put this together because there's no other way that this would work. And I started to think about it. And I studied something called viable systems. And that's where you look at what is the definition of life. And that is where it's a system that you have information, data, energy goes in, and it replicates and continues to grow and goes into a certain ordered state. So looking from small to large, smallest is like what we have is their molecules combined together, become lipid layers. Those lipid layers can form organelles or barriers around a cell. And then those cells can join together to become uh, organs. The organs become organisms, and we humans are organisms. And together, because we happen to think, we organize into societies. And as I got to that point, studying these viable systems, you could see societies create cities, cities and, and together they created city-states, which created governments, which in essence were ordered states or organisms. I had to think to myself, you go, I would be really arrogant to think that there is no intelligent being larger than something stupid that we created called the city. And that's kind of led me, opened the way that I could accept that God could exist. And as I studied more, um, I learned more about who God is and started to study the Bible in more detail and about, well, why is there the Jesus guy? And I go, I figured out he absolutely was, a, absolutely was a historical figure. And so I came to where I believed God was real. I believed Jesus was real. But there was a certain point where I go, why do I need salvation? Why do I need that? And another thing about viable systems or life is that sometimes things that are living like to do things their own way. And in your body, that's called cancer. And that's when individual cells start acting up and they say, nope, I'm gonna do it my way. And they get together and they start growing and growing and growing and you go to the doctor and he says, you've got cancer. 
And they say, doctor, what are you going to do about it? And the doctor says, well, I'm going to cut it out. And they do a surgery, cut the cancer out, and do chemo and other things, so that you might live. In the same way, we humans, when we are self-centered, we are like that cancer. We are doing it our own way. And we're making decisions to do things that cause death, that cause light not to happen, that cause things to be trivial, and vanity of vanities, all is vanity when you're doing it your own way. But when we change from being self-centered to being God-centered, then we enter into eternity today. It's not eternity later, but it's eternal life now, this moment. And I realized that I wanted eternal life, but then I also realized that I was doing things my own way. I was being self-centered and not God-centered. I was a cancer. And if I was going to continue in eternity and not have the almighty doctor cut me out from life, I needed to have a way through. And that's where I realized that Jesus had paid the price on the cross to die for us, to die for me, so that I had a cure that he, his death, in essence, was the price paid for my being self-centered as opposed to God-centered. And I had to rely on him and with that faith to be set free. At that point, I was in my senior year at Cal, and I was just exhausted. It was finals week, and I came to this revelation that I wanted eternal life. And I went home, and I, I lay down, and I just felt this, like this inky darkness. I just didn't, I just felt worthless. I felt like life wasn't worth living anymore. And I remembered the scripture in Matthew. If you cling to, I was reading the Living Bible, because that's the one my friends gave me. Um, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will save it. So I said that out loud. I felt this warmth hit me in my heart. And I said it again. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will save it. And I said it again. I felt this warmth just start flowing over me. And if you cling to your life, you will lose it. I said it again. You will gain life. I mean, and if you give it up for me, you will save your life. And I said it again, and this warmth came over me. And then I just kind of had this weird vision, maybe because I was just so exhausted or whatever, but I saw this velvety red rose surrounded by stars. And as I watched, the rose wilted and turned into these, like, seeds. And these seeds went off into the universe. And it was like, um, that was God's word. And I hadn't read all the Bible yet, but I didn't realize that that was... First Peter coming up. And so I put together, just as a close for contemplation, a video, just a mashup with some things I found on YouTube, to kind of share what I saw in that vision and a little bit of a concept of eternity.
a little bit of buffering, so you missed a little bit, but I think you got the idea. We'll do communion now. So get your little cups ready. If anyone needs uh, communion cups, um, Stephanie has got them over there. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Drink together.